Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today, I hope you hear Heritage and Bloom's story. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And so excited to have our next guest on. Her name is Allison Song. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, um, I, I've been anticipating this podcast since I talked with your husband, Kit. Um, I think it was two episodes ago, um, and just yeah, he he's he's been telling me that your story really just needs to be told to um, all the little boys and girls out there. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to capture that story, and even um, for me to hear too, because there are a lot of parts of it I don't know. Um, so right. just really excited to hear for myself. Um, but yeah, before we get into all that, uh, can we just start with an introduction, um, kind of? who you are, what you do, um, both your kind of day job and your your businesses that you've started. Yeah, and, and really anything yeah. you want to add as well. I'm sorry, say that last part yeah. again. And, and <laughs> anything you want to add, um, feel free oh, to Oh, sure, add. sure. Yeah. yeah, so my name is Allison Song. Um, I adopted my lovely last name through Kit six years ago. Um, I am the owner and designer of Heritage and Bloom, uh, which is a small batch accessories company where I hand make and design a lot of jewelry pieces as well as hair accessories. Um, that's fortunately become my day job now. Um, it took me a long time to transition between, you know, having a nine to five to going to this full time. Um, I do still have a part-time job locally at a wine and cheese restaurant, which is like my happy place is like my my home away from home. I mean, currently right now with the COVID nineteen crisis is currently under like lockdown. But um, yeah, so that's what I do about ten hours a week. All my other hours are towards Heritage and Bloom. Wow! So a wine and cheese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, <laughs> two of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> so then I have to ask, uh, what's your favorite pairing of uh, wine and cheese? Ooh, that's hard. I think it, it, it's really, really hard because it depends on like the day and the mood. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, I have a favorite cheese of the day and like a favorite wine of the day when I worked there. Um, but one of my favorite pairings that I found is like this washed rind water buffalo cheese. It's kind of funky, mm -hmm. but if you pair it with like bison pastrami, it is so, so good. Mm, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, I recently kind of got introduced to the world of wine and cheese because I was on a business yeah. trip to Thomasville, Georgia, and they have mm -hmm. a restaurant there that's, they have a, what's the word for wine expert, like sommelier? Oh, sommelier. Sommelier, and they yeah. had a, a cheese expert. There's a word similar for the cheese expert. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and we we were there for like three hours just talking about cheese and wine. The whole time it was fascinating yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's such a cool experience it's like you know and like our place is really fun like on the outside it may look a little pretentious just because it is wine and cheese and there's like a certain you know not stigma but like a certain feeling attached to wine and cheese you think it's like fancy and like you have to dress up but we keep it super casual and it's more about like the experience of educating like mm -hmm. beginner lovers or like full-time, you know, like advanced lovers of wine and cheese. So we try our best to like 
yeah, make everyone feel comfortable. So what role do you have there? I just serve. I serve and um, sometimes I help pick out the wine, uh, the wine cool. flights, but it's mostly my escape from home because as you, I don't know if you're going into work right now, but I'm sure most of the world is experiencing the work from home lifestyle mm -hmm. and it's very, very hard. It's very isolating. Yeah. Um, it's very lonely. And so this job is kind of like my social escape. Um, so I try to do most of my work at home, like all the production, marketing and all that stuff, but I do need like a social escape. Otherwise it's just like me, our two dogs, Rain and Bruno. And like when Kate gets home from work, I just like talk his ear off. And so he, it's, it's for the best for everyone that I have this social escape just for a few hours a week. Wow. And that's an <laughs> awesome place to work at wine and cheese. Cause yeah. at the yeah. restaurant that I was at. They love talking about cheeses, wines, and they, right. they're just so welcoming. So I imagine it's the same kind of atmosphere there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. So um, I, I asked this uh, to Kit too, and he did kind of explain, but I just wanted to ask uh, your ties to Atlanta and uh, kind of what motivated your move out uh, to, to Colorado. Yeah, for sure. So I was actually born in New Jersey. Um, in a small little town called Secaucus. I've actually like, I don't have any memories of it, but my parents moved down to Atlanta around when I was like, I think I had just hit a hundred days as a baby. And so I, I really consider myself born and raised in Georgia just because that was my whole upbringing. Um, I started in Doraville and like Dunwoody as a child. So I went to elementary school there and then we moved to Johns Creek when I was about fifth grade. And then that's where I went to middle school, high school, and then I went to Boston for college. So, you know, my parents are still there. Most of like my close friends are still in Atlanta. Um, obviously, kids' parents are there too. Um, but yeah, so like while I, was in, while I was in college in Boston, I got to study abroad, uh, thankfully in France. And I also did a work abroad in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, wow. But um, so I've always had this like sense of adventure and um, just like a desire to travel and uh, to explore new places and like new communities. And so when we came back, so oh yeah, and then Ken and I all, also taught English together in South Korea. I don't know if you knew that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so when we came back, we're like, man, do we want to stay in Atlanta? We did for a few years after we got married, but we're like, we really want to explore somewhere else together. It's probably not going to happen internationally, but let's try somewhere on the West, um, like more on the West side. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be the Bay area, but it's so, so expensive there. <laughs> like it would have been a box of what we could afford. And we have two large rescue dogs. So we're like, nah, that can't, that's probably not gonna, you know, be ideal. So we settled on Colorado, um, just cause we're mountain people. Um, we love everything revolving around the mountains, like from summer, camping, hiking, uh, to snowboarding. And so, yeah, that's how we ended up here. You know, actually, I forgot to mention this on Kit's podcast, but I actually went to Denver, Colorado for my bachelor mm -hmm. trip. And I texted Kit and said, hey, do you have any recommendations of cool uh, trails that we can <laughs> go on? And he recommended, I think it was called the Iron Tail? Um, Sorry, say that again. Was it? I it was Iron something, Iron Tail or Iron Head. Iron. I forget the name of the trail. I think it was. Um, uh -huh. It was in Boulder, maybe. Um, but uh, 
I forget the exact details of it. It was a while ago, but um, I, I do want to say Kit was a, a big influence in the way that my bachelor trip unfolded. So I should have <laughs> thanked him for that. But it, it just reminded me when you were saying that you guys are mountain people. And oh, I, I, yeah. really, I really love hiking. And that, that was a really great trail. So oh, really that's so it. awesome. Did you spend most of your time in Boulder or did you explore so, other places? We we stayed in an Airbnb in Denver, um, mm -hmm. and so we we did all the stuff that I like doing, and I like doing a lot of childish stuff. So like we went to uh, an, an adult arcade in the city one one night. We went to uh, we went skiing. Um, so oh, nice. Yeah, we went to skiing. I, I don't know if you know where Winter Park is. Um, Winter Park. Yeah, Winter Park. Nice. Yeah. 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 Um, so That's yeah, th th those were the only big things that we did. We mostly just kind of hung out in the city. That's a lot. That's yeah. that's a lot for a short trip. Yeah, <laughs> hiking, skiing, okay, like city fun. Yeah, you guys yeah. did a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was really fun. Um, oh, that's great. So, uh, isn't Colorado getting kind of expensive too? Because I Bayside, um, definitely very expensive, yeah. but um, yeah. especially with within the city of denver it's getting really expensive right it's insane it's like so we're in fort collins which is an hour above denver so it's a, it's a, technically a college town because colorado state university is based here and so we're like it's a college town it can't be that expensive um but even within the three years that we've been here rent has gone crazy wow. um we've been looking oh. to buying a house but it's just insane like mm -hmm. Because people are coming from California with cash, they're like dictating how much houses are costing. And I've, I've heard even in Boulder, the median price is like a million dollars. Wow. And <laughs> Fort Collins is like catching up very, very quickly. So we're like, I don't know. I don't know about buying now. Like we're still entertaining the idea of either buying here or Alabama, so. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. So cool. Um, so are you guys, do you think you're going to stay in Colorado for, for a while? Or do you have any kind of, have you guys ever entertained the notion of coming back to Atlanta? We do. I mean, Atlanta is always on the table just because our parents are there. Like wherever our parents are, that's always going to be an option, mm -hmm. especially because we're talking about kids soon. And so we just want to be near them. You know, that's like ideal, but mm -hmm. It's, it's hard because we love Colorado so much. It's yeah. like if we could just pick up all our family and friends and drop them where we are, that would be like the best case scenario, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we talk about it, but we're taking it kind of like year by year. Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of like evaluate like every, yeah, six months to a year. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, we're talking about it, but no, no executive decisions made yet. Because your business is pretty mobile, right? Like you, you exactly. don't need to be tied down to a single location, right? Exactly. Yeah. So when I left, so even like coming to Colorado, my business was mobile because back then it was Flower Crown Society, which I'm, I mean, Heritage and Bloom is basically the same thing. It's just a different name. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was like products that I could ship out or like do markets in that location. And I was also a wedding planner and florist. So I talked to all my clients who I had weddings for like after the move. And I was like, are you guys okay with me traveling back? They're like, yeah, 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 sure. And like, I even picked up a bunch of new weddings after the move. Cause they're like, 
as long as you can get here physically like we don't care um yeah yeah so then you know what yeah let's i think that's perfect to start talking about um your first kind of initial i guess the initial version of your your business the flower crown Mm -hmm. society i actually thought you started that after you moved to colorado but that was that birthed in atlanta atlanta yeah 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 yeah. it it actually happened in 2014 2013 14. wow wow so then yeah can you kind of just walk us through how you from the moment that you the first thought popped into your head hey i'm gonna start a business to (laughs) when you actually started doing things with it can you kind of walk us through how, how that unfolded definitely i mean it's not as linear as I would like in hindsight. Um, It was definitely a side hustle, kind of like fun hobby. So back then I was working for Golden Stella, which is like a really large accessories company. Mm -hmm. Um, Back then they were experimenting with like a marketing department. And so I was like one of the first hires there. And so one of my jobs was to do monthly, quarterly photo shoots and lookbooks. So I would curate like a whole collection of products because they have like hundreds of thousands of jewelry to choose from. So I would like choose a theme, um, curate it, and kind of like design uh, like a photo shoot around it. Mm -hmm. So one of the spring photo shoots that I wanted to go for was like Wildflower Girl, or I forget the exact title, but um, I really wanted like a flower crown as a a prop for the model because I was like, I think they'll just really elevate what I'm trying to go for. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm doing wedding florals. I think I could swing this. So I I made the flower crown for the model. And once the photo shoot came out, that model posted a photo and all of her model friends were like, oh my gosh, like where did you get that flower crown? Like I want one. Um, And that's kind of how it jump-started because they're like, those models would exchange their time for one of my crowns. And then the demand just kept growing and growing just from like friends, friends of friends. And then I was like, maybe I should like start selling these. Cause back then it was just for fun. Um, so I, I threw up like an Etsy shop, which is like a, an online platform for handmade, you know, products. Mm-hmm. Pretty much anyone can list any products that they make on there. And so I was like, man, I really need a name. And I was like thinking, and like in the middle of the night, I was just like, I woke up and I was like, flower cross society. <laughs> It just like hit me. I don't know what I don't know what it was about it, but I just loved it. I loved how inclusive it sounded. I loved how um, like fun and bohemian it sounded. Like it just it really struck me. So that that's the name that I went with. So just for people who might not be, for, mm-hmm. I guess I'll just say it bluntly. For people who might be ignorant like me, what exactly <laughs> is a flower crown? Yeah. It's so it's exactly like it sounds. It's just literally like a halo, <laughs> a halo of flowers. So, I mean, I I range from using fresh flowers for special occasions and like in-person events. So a lot of my brides and like bridesmaids and flower girls got crowns if they wanted them. Um, otherwise, I would work with artificial flowers and ship those off to customers who were like not based in Atlanta at the time. Mm. Oh, wow. So you do both real flowers and... Mm-hmm. So what, what is more in demand? Because I would imagine that a crown made of artificial flowers, because they, you know, that can last forever. Whereas actual exactly. flowers, they have an expiration date, right? So- exactly. So, I mean, if you think about real flowers for a wedding, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I would assume that most brides would prefer real flowers just because mm-hmm. like, 
the beauty of it like you can't recreate a flower like you can artificially but like you can tell the difference and so the demand was higher in the wedding industry for real flower crowns versus like I had a lot of festival goers back then like that was when Coachella was getting big like Bonnaroo like all these huge festivals in the southeast and so that's where I would do like more artificial like durable kind of crowds so mm. they could accessorize their like festival outfits wow I see I see because oh, when you talk about flower crown, I remember seeing it back then and thinking there's no way these are real flowers because that would be so difficult <laughs> to like preserve and you could yeah. only really wear it one time. But but it makes sense that yeah. people in, in weddings would, would right. like that. Wow. Right. wow. So um, that kind of started rolling because of the the models and then you, you opened up your Etsy shop. Um, yep. But how did that... so? Yeah, so how did that um, turn into what eventually became Heritage and Bloom? Because, wait, you started doing accessories with Flower Crown Society, right? It wasn't just Flower Crowns when it was Flower Crown Society, right? Sorry, can you repeat that first part of the question? It like lagged a little bit. Okay, sorry, no, I actually uh, I pivoted in the middle of my uh, <laughs> question. No uh, worries. Flower Crowns, that wasn't exclusively what you sold with Flower Crown Society, right? You had accessories as well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it started off as just Flower Crowns. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where the name came about. And then I was like, I, it was becoming a bigger and bigger side hustle where I eventually quit my job and only focused on my wedding planning and floral business as well as Flower, flower Crown Society. And so that's when I was like, I need to expand my products. Like Flower Crowns are, are so niche, like it's so like specific. And so that's when I introduced head wraps, which is an accessory that I loved from when we lived in Korea. I was like, man, these are genius. Like there's wire inside. And so you can kind of mold them to the style that you want and they're very versatile and so my mom and i so she she does like alteration she's really good at sewing that's where i learned and so she her and i kind of like created a pattern and like figured out how to do them and so that that was one of my first products that i still keep today oh wow so what what exactly is a head wrap what is it what is it meant to like yeah it's like um it's, it's like a thin, the way I make, there's like different variations of it, but the way I make it is like a, maybe a six inch piece of fabric that's about a yard long. And so, and there's a wire that extends end to end. Mm -hmm. And so you could wrap it around your head and like do like a scarf. You could do like a bow. You could just tie it around your ponytail. Um, you could wear it as a bandana. So yeah, it's just like a versatile accessory gotcha. that people just love. I, I want people to kind of uh, hold that thought in their head because I want to get back to it um, because that because okay. your head wraps um, like you making your head wraps ended up becoming a very useful and helpful yeah. skill, especially yeah. in this situation right now. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's we'll circle back to that. Um, so after you, you started doing the head wraps, um, what mm -hmm. other how did you kind of introduce your other um, accessories and, and yeah. products? So, okay, so like once we left Atlanta, I lived in Colorado with Kit and our good friend Josh. Like it was, I mean, I'm gonna be a little transparent here. It was like really fun for the first year, right? Cause the novelty of living somewhere new and like 
everything's brand new, like new people. Like we didn't know anyone here really, just like one mutual friend in Denver. That was it. Um, and so everything was very exciting and like that, you know, that kind of like carried me through the first year. Mm-hmm. I think when year two and three hit, that's when I really struggled with lack of community and like lack of, cause I have such close girlfriends. Like I, they're like my best friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So <clears throat> without them, I think I really struggled with like that social fulfillment mm-hmm. and it took me to like a dark place because Fort Collins is very much like, an island it's like it's a small town imagine like athens or like Asheville. it's it's just a small mountain town like not not a big city like denver where it's like a little bit more diverse um and so i really struggled with just the lack of diversity and like i couldn't really connect with anyone and i don't think i really tried i really do think i tried it's just like it just wasn't there you know what i mean and during that time with firecrime society i was also hitting like a wall like that's when flower crowns were getting really mass produced so like by forever 21 or target you would just see them popping up for like two dollars a piece and they were just like so crappy like the materials used and like you know the productions like it's probably just made in china or something and they're just selling it for super cheap and it really like I know I shouldn't have taken it personally, but it really like tainted my view of flower crowns because my whole purpose with flower crown society was to help women and girls feel beautiful, right? That was like my main mission to help them feel brave and beautiful because it is such a bold accessory that I wanted them to carry with confidence. So when I started seeing these like flower crowns pop up um, in mass markets, I was just like, man, that's really discouraging to me and like I know I shouldn't have taken it personally but it did affect me and so I was like hitting a wall um I really wanted to pivot and like turn to something else that brought me joy the same joy that the flower crowns brought me um and clay was something that I, that I was always like really fascinated with and so it was like during a creative slump I was like I just need to play with a new material like I just have to do it like I was in a funk for sure. So I was like, even doing that took me a lot of courage. Cause you know, when you start something new, you're always thinking, is this gonna work out? Like, what if it's just like crap? Mm. But I was like, man, I really need to just explore a new medium and like get out of this funk. And so I did that last, I think it was like last February or March. Um, I was also t- taking like a metal smithing class just to get my hands on something new. Yeah. And actually that was like my first like my first goal to do metal smithing and release jewelry that way but i was like wow it's very very expensive and it'll take me years to master so i was like i'll still try to do that on the side like take classes here and there but i want to just focus on clay and so yeah the clay really really went well um i launched like a small a small little batch on etsy through flower crown society just to see if people were interested Mm -hmm. and it got like a great reaction um it was very and so I was like okay I'm just gonna keep going with this mm-hmm. oh wow and yeah. that's I feel like whenever I'm seeing posts on for a heritage and bloom you kind of centerpiece all the clay-based accessories right or is that kind of your big uh product is is it the bulk of your sales right now it is yeah yeah so a lot of the clay jewelry is the bulk as well as the head wraps. So those are like my two 
kind of like money makers, I guess. Awesome, awesome. Um, but before, because uh, I, I wanted to take a step back a little bit and ask you about the process of starting this business, right? Because I'm sure it wasn't just you put it out there and the customers just came to you, right? Did, did you have to do any kind of footwork to, I don't know, because I know you did a lot of like markets, like pop up at markets and things like that, right? How was it um, pursuing all those things? And how did you kind of get your foot in the door for, for doing those pop ups? Yeah, so I'm like almost to fault. Like, um, I have no shame in like reaching out to people. And so even with Flower Con Society, like before I was anything, before I was even in like a registered business, I would just be like, hey, free people want to like collaborate. Like, mm -hmm. and free people is a big brand. It's like, I don't know if you're aware of it, but it's like anthropology, it's the same group as anthropology and like urban outfitters. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, sure. <laughs> so like, um, I did that with like Madewell. Um, and these pop-up markets, it's, it's actually like become so big, like this industry that, there's like hundreds of them happening around the U.S. like mm -hmm. with locally within like each little town or city and so I did a bunch in Atlanta so I had like I knew what you know what to expect mm -hmm. so in Denver and like Fort Collins I would just reach out to markets and like apply and like get in and that's that's kind of like where the marketing happened it was just like people coming into my booth me sharing about the company and the mission behind it um and it's just a lot more fun when you can like go face to face with your customers you know because like yeah. I'm not a brick and mortar and so I'm just spending a lot of my time producing at home and just like there's no feedback and so when I go to these markets those are like some of my best experiences just because I can connect with people um, like both customers and other vendor like people around me I can just connect with them so that's why it's a little hard right now because like all my markets are canceled for the season like right. every I had like six lined up through May or June and they're like all canceled yeah and so, yeah, I don't know if that answered your no, question. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, no, that's great. So, um, I, I, I'm, I was interested in that because my wife, uh, started a bubble tea pop-up business. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. So she kind of had to do the same thing. She just reached out to mm -hmm. random pop-ups, applied to random festivals, uh, right. uh, markets and things like that. So, but that takes a lot of courage, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to put yourself out there not just yourself yeah. but your your product right um so i mean did you have to struggle with that in the beginning or what is it just natural for you to just be like hey let's just get out there i mean i almost want to say it was pretty natural like i really enjoy collaborating with people and so any chance or opportunity that i saw that i could collaborate with a brand that i admired uh, whether it was like a small brand like me, like a small batch accessory, like that kind of small scale or a big brand where they have a lot of reach. Like either way, I just loved collaborating. And so just the prospect of that happening, I was like willing to risk rejection after rejection. Like it was mm. worth it to me. Wow. Did you face a lot of rejection in the, in the beginning? Not that I remember. I mean, I'm sure I did, but I, I, I maybe I chose not to remember, but I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's awesome because yeah. the fact that you, maybe even if you're blocking it out, um, I think it does say something about your character, um, your ability to say, well, I don't really focus on the rejections because yeah, yeah you're just kind of moving forward, right? Because there's so much that came out of 
of it. And so I can't, I can't like dwell on what could have happened because mm -hmm. so much happened that I'm so thankful that those people said yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure now you probably get invited to a lot of places as well, right? It's definitely becoming that way. So like people will approach me to like get into their boutiques or their shops. Um, it's still so like flattering. Like I, I never get sick of it. You know, like I never, even if I become a huge brand, I don't think I'll ever get tired of like people approaching me because it's so, it's such an honor. It's like, mm -hmm. wow, you want to carry like my work in a space that you created, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a huge deal. Yes. Well, you know, aren't, I feel like you already are a pretty huge brand um, just by your Instagram following. I mean, you have a lot of followers. Uh, you have a lot of people. <laughs> and when I look at your schedule, um, I mean, especially before the whole COVID-19, when I saw kind of your listing of all the events that you're doing, you're a pretty big brand, right? Um, I wouldn't say so. Like, I don't think followers mean anything. I mean, I'm thankful for everyone that follows my account, but like, I don't think that translates to like, you know, how big my brand is, if that makes sense. I see. Okay. Yeah, like, like I, I have personal goals for sure. And so I think when I hit those goals, then I'll be like, okay, maybe that's when I became a big brand. Oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. Then, yeah. Let me ask you then, uh, because it sounds like I, I saw the whole transition happening from when you rebranded uh, to Heritage and Bloom. Yeah. I was following on Instagram, like when you were kind of like leading up to it and you had that like, like launch party and all that. But I, yeah, I always yeah. wondered uh, what motivated that transition, right? Because you already had I mean, what I perceive to be huge uh, name recognition with Flower mm -hmm. Crown Society. Um, so it, it, there is risk involved in rebranding, mm -hmm. right? But uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, uh, what made you feel like that risk was worth it to rebrand to Heritage yeah. and Bloom? That's such a good question. So yeah, like I alluded to earlier with Flower Crown Society, like I hit a wall with the accessory of flower crowns. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, man, this name is so specific. Like it's such a, I'm so attached to this accessory that I feel like I can't evolve and grow with this brand. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what, how can I change my name, but also like kind of stay true to what I wanted to carry out like mission wise with flower crown society. And like, that's also around the time when I was struggling a lot internally, like about, my background, like ethnic background. And so, yeah, like I said, at Fort Collins is like not very diverse at all. I think, I don't know if Kit mentioned it in his podcast, but Asian Americans make up or Asians overall make up less than 2%. Yeah. And so, you know, coming from Atlanta and I, I lived in like Boston and New York. So like, I've always been around diversity and like never, I, I probably took it for granted. Cause like I came here and didn't expect that I would run into a conflict or like internally, like about, how I'm like one of like, you know, 2% of Asians here. Yeah. And that's like also around the time when like at the bistro, I would be asked a lot, like, what are you? Where are you from? And like, you know, you know what that question implies, right? right. Like, like, where are you from? And like, I, I try to be smart about it. It depends on my mood of the day. But <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I'm from New Jersey or Atlanta. And they're like, no, like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh. so my parents are from like South Korea, but so it really depends. And like that, I was really annoyed by it at first. Cause I was like, why, why is this responsibility on me to educate these people? You know, like 
it was really, really frustrating because I was like, okay, so Ken and I talked about it a lot and he was like, you know, maybe it's our responsibility to share and like educate because I would get asked even what's your nationality? And I was like, you know, I'm American. I was like born and raised in the U S. Um, so instead of like going back with a snarky answer, I would say, well, my like ethnicity is South Korean. So I would like kind of change the verbiage just so that hopefully they can keep that in the back of my back of their minds to you know use that same language for the next person that they ask mm -hmm. and so it was like around that time when I also picked up a lot of like Korean Korean historical fiction books like Pachinko got really really big mm -hmm. I don't know if you read that book mm -hmm. like number one bestseller for like a lot you should read it it's a really really great book um so Pachinko um and then I read this other book called If You Leave Me by Crystal Kim and that's kind of when I got the name and like it kind of shared the experience of like I was just like reading it one day and I was like oh my gosh like heritage like heritage because I had Anne Bloom I already had that like part set of my brand my rebrand and so I was like I just need like a first word and so like that's when it hit heritage and bloom and so yeah and so that i really wanted a name that i could grow and evolve with something that was timeless but something that was like really i really love flowers like my korean name is changmi which is oh. rose yeah so flowers have a lot of meaning in my life um so i really wanted some floral element but i really wanted something like timeless and like classic so yeah that's how it came about wow so then do you ever do you feel like you're gonna uh, in I don't know what this would look like, but somehow weave into your product line elements of like, you know, traditional Korean heritage or anything like that in the future or. Yeah. So my first collection is called Tegoki, which is inspired by the South Korean flag. And like, that's my own rendition of like, it's my own interpretation of the flag, you know, so I use a lot of the geometric, like the trigrams and like the circle and like, the wave, um, the yin yang wave, but I will love to like, I think it will take a little bit of education and research, but that's kind of what this whole brand is. Like it's a journey for me to educate myself and like hopefully to raise awareness of like Korean history because, you know, like as an, as a second gen Korean American, like our parents were so busy just raising us and like working. They didn't have time to educate us like on their background, like, and it's so sad to think that our future generation like that could get lost. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of like my own self journey of like preserving it somehow, even if it is through my own reinterpretation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, to like kind of create a legacy of like, let's keep, let's keep digging. Cause South Korea is such a deep and like rich culture and like history that I, yeah, there's, is it's endless, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. So do you think moving forward, um, are you going to try to reintroduce, or not reintroduce, are you going to try to introduce a new medium and things like that? Or is foreseeable future, do you think you're going to kind of keep with what you have so far? Yeah, I think for now, I have a tendency to like get really excited about something and just like do too soon. And so I think right now I'm in a season of trying to perfect what I've learned. And so that is, that is like polymer clay. Um, that is like the medium that I picked up last year. So it hasn't even been a full year yet. Um, so I really want to just take my time 
with that with that medium but I would love to eventually like get into metalsmithing and like launch really really like quality like handmade kind of jewelry that way mm-hmm. um but yeah for now I'll just stick with what I have <laughs> so um I wanted to ask because I feel like you're making stuff all the time it, just looking at yeah. when I because as a follower of the Heritage and Bloom uh Instagram page yeah. is it truly you're making stuff like 24 7 or do you set aside time um throughout the week to make batches like whenever you get time or yeah. how does your scheduling work i mean it's pretty fluid my schedule like yeah it's very very fluid so a lot of my time does go towards production but it's not as much as you would expect like from the outside in like looking mm-hmm. outside in a lot of my time is actually spent on the computer just like administrative stuff, financial stuff, emails, like customer service. Cause I'm a solopreneur. Like there's no one else mm-hmm. doing this except me. So I'm like doing operations, like every single aspect of the business. So it's kind of crazy how little time I spend on actually creating the products. And like this year, one of my goals is to get really efficient and like, just be just like produce even more. And so I've been time tracking where I spend my time and like each task and project of the day. And it's crazy. Like my clay production time is like a fraction of everything else. And oh, so wow. yeah, I wish it was 24 seven. Cause that's, that's where I'm happiest from like, <laughs> like creating and like, yeah, working with the products, but most of my time is just spent elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to ask because now that we see kind of how um, you operate and kind of, the things that you're producing and things like that. I wanted to ask if there was any other reason besides financial, because I mean, finances is a, is a huge thing. So let's not discount that. But were there any other motivating factors for you wanting to start your own business and, you know, leaving your day job and kind of growing it? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I think I've known from a young age maybe not necessarily that I wanted to have my own business, but I knew I wanted to like work with my hands first and foremost. Like I'm very much like a crafter, like 2d art, not so much. So like that's kit strains, like drawing, writing. He's really, really good at that. Those are definitely like his strains. Whereas I like to like mold and like, you know, like sculpt to things and like whatever medium it is. And so I think from a young age, I've always known I wanted to just like make things <laughs> and like whether that was going to bring me financially, financial stability or not. I was just like, I just love doing it. And like when I was at Northview, I took a jewelry design class and that's like the moment I knew I wanted to be a jewelry designer. Mm-hmm. So I actually wanted to apply to Parsons because they had a really good program. But my mom was like, that's so like not practical. Like, you know, Korean parents are just like, what are you thinking? That's like art school education money. That's just too much. Like this is such a big risk. And so I ended up going to school for marketing, graphic design, but I think it's crazy. I think a lot of people, if they just look back on their childhood or even like middle school, high school, and like think back what brought them the most joy and like what, what hobbies were they doing back then? I feel like it could translate into their dream job today. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just have always wanted to be a jewelry designer. Gotcha. You know, that story is really familiar to me because I was all in the 
very similar boat. I wanted to go to art school um, for yeah. graphic design, but my parents, well, my brother actually, he convinced me out of it and told me to go to a more uh, stable uh, field. So I, I ended yeah. up going to an engineering school, but I, I do think, yeah, like thinking back, if, if I could go back, I, I think I would, because there is a lot of kind of lingering regret of, mm -hmm. I wonder what could have been if I pursued uh, what I wanted to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, and it's also like never too late. Like I know, I know it's like once you get established in your career and like the industry that you're in, it's like harder and harder day by day, year by year to step away from that. But if you're like truly unhappy, I don't know. It's like, for me, it's about what brings you the most joy. Like what makes you come the most alive? Cause life is so, so short. And like, especially during the season, like we're experiencing, we're experiencing that even more that life is so fleeting. And so, yeah, it should bring you financial stability, but, and there are responsibilities that we have, but if you're able to like swing it to explore like different things that make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, reason this podcast was formed it's actually a part of that mm -hmm. uh, there was a creative side that i wanted to pursue um, mm -hmm. and this was the most practical way to to do it so this is kind of the genesis of this podcast that's but awesome i i really like um i totally agree with what you said because um, a lot of the podcast guests i've had on before we talk about kind of their passion and mm -hmm. i do try to convince them, say, hey, life is so short, you should kind of pursue what you enjoy instead of just going after right. what you think gives you, you know, a financial stability. Because yeah. finances, again, especially with, you know, this coronavirus going around and the Dow, the Wall Street, you know, stocks yeah. are getting pummeled, right? So finances are super fleeting too. So exactly. Think, yeah. It's a, it's a really yeah, good like reminder. Yeah, and like I think it's transparent even more how much I love it because right now like sales have just flatlined. Like just you know like jewelry is a non non essential product right now, and so even in the midst of like no sales, no markets, all my boutique partners are closed. Like even in the midst of that, I just I have no regrets. I'm like I I'm like so happy still doing this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and not only that, but you've actually found a way to repurpose your skills to help people in this current situation. Yeah. Right? So uh, we, I kind of alluded to that with your head wraps because um, mm -hmm. from what I understand, from what I was told by Kit, mm -hmm. you kind of took your skills making the headset, uh, head wraps and you repurposed it to yeah. make masks, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So how did, how did you start doing that? How did that come about? Um... I don't even remember the exact moment. So like we were in Atlanta a few weeks ago for um, Kit's sister's wedding. And so Atlanta, that, you know, it was like one of the first big cities to get hit, you know, like on the East coast. And so we were like, we left right when I was getting like a little urgent. It felt a little weird to leave at that time, but we're like, we just have to get back, you know? Yeah. And so we were already like furiously looking at the news, just like glued to our phones about like updates and like stats and, you know, the more news that came out, we're just like, wait, how, how are these like frontline healthcare workers not protected? Like they're dealing with like COVID-19 positive patients and they're like not getting the proper 
protection. Like that was so absurd to me. I'm sorry. Like it was just so crazy to me. And I was like, what option do they have? And like, I saw the CDC came out with worst case scenario, just wear a bandana or like just wear a piece of fabric over your face. And I was just like, that's almost unacceptable to like have these frontline workers who are risking their lives and like risking their, like they're sacrificing so much that it, it just didn't, it just didn't sit right with me. And so I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll try to look into making masks. And that was kind of like before it got huge. It's really big right now, which is amazing. Like there's just home sewers all around the country making fabric masks for like, you know, like nursing homes and people who, who are accepting them. And so I, I really couldn't feel, I didn't feel creative like one bit when I got back to Fort Collins, just cause like the intensity of the situation and then like how, dire it was and so I was like I wasn't feeling creative but I really wanted to help how can I use my skills to help this situation and so I found a pretty good tutorial um I bought some fabric and some like materials and then when I was like cutting it I was just like oh my god this is like the same exact way that I cut my head wraps like same exact width and like the length like it was nuts I was like I I like ran to kids room I was like oh my god you'll never guess what (laughs) So it felt very much like, like it was my purpose for this. Mm. Yeah. And I I know uh, when when I talked to Kit about it, I actually asked him if there were listeners that could help contribute um, so that you can make more. But from what I'm seeing on your Instagram, you're already kind of at max capacity in terms of production, right? Of of the. Uh, Yeah. Like, so what I really need help with people or I really would like people who can sew to help out just because like I keep getting financial contributions which is great but I'm like I haven't even gone through half of the financial support that I got and so my mom is actually helping now and like my friend in Fort Collins is helping now but there's just like not enough hands to go around to like produce and Mm -hmm. like actually earlier I'm like kind of in a weird mood right now because I mean I vented to Kit but there's a really like interesting situation that happened this morning about these fabric masks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I put it out on my heritage and bloom platform, like my Instagram stories, just cause there's more reach that way yeah. as opposed to my personal Instagram. And so I put it out and like, I had three vendor friends who reached out and they're like, I would love to get involved. I would love to donate my time and like help make these masks for healthcare providers. And so I was like, great. Like, that's amazing. And one of them in four cons is helping me a lot and she's like making a lot, but so I found out this morning, the other two are just selling them now. Like they're just going to sell them. Wow. And so it was really disappointing. Um, Yeah. I'm still processing the emotion, so. Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, I think I think the situation is really revealing a lot about um, just how companies are responding, like whether you're a small brand or a big brand, like how you're responding to the situation. Are you capitalizing on things that people need or just trying to help. So <clears throat> yeah. 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 Just- <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think it is the a good thing to try to focus on 
the good that's happening as well. I, like right. you said, it does reveal a lot of, because there are a lot of big corporations not really doing as much state as they could be. Yeah. Um, but when I see people like you um, and the people kind of around you uh, financially supporting you to the point where you can't even, you know, you haven't even got through half of it. Right. Uh, you know, there's so much good out there. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm very, I mean, when I first saw that you were making these masks, I remember I showed my wife, I said, man, Allison is so cool. Like, I can't believe <laughs> that, you know, because it's, it's like, it's your livelihood, right? You're making mm -hmm. accessories, you're making headbands, that's your livelihood, yeah. but you're, you're saying, you know what, this takes precedence, um, let me try to mm -hmm. help out, and you're giving your time and your skills mm -hmm. to um, helping out people, and I think it's great. I think it's especially great because I have uh, a several nurse friends and uh, one of them is actually, she's working directly with COVID patients wow. and she keeps telling me how, e even though the situation is chaotic and they're overwhelmed, right. they're so touched by the help that they're receiving. Mm -hmm. um, people buying them meals on, because there are people literally sending boxes of, you know, Chick-fil-A or, you know, uh, Zaxby's and send, yeah. giving packets of uh, uh, masks and things like that. So, um, yeah, the, the situation is, is sad when it does reveal kind of the negative sides of humanity. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I wanted to encourage you because I'm sure there are people on the other receiving end of your generosity, just being, you know, super thankful, super inspired and super encouraged by it. So, yeah, yeah it's... You. <laughs> I'm trying not to let it affect me. I'm just getting emotional because I just found out about it. Yeah. yeah. Because like I had such hope that we could do even more with their help. Mm -hmm. Um, and the the next thing I know, they're just gonna sell it. Like they're just selling it to their customers. And so, and like I shared like all my knowledge and education. I was like, they didn't even say thank you, you know, right. and just like had to sell it. So yeah, I'm still processing that, but I, I think you're right, just focusing on doing good and like helping helping yeah. where i can so yeah, yeah. so um then I, I i don't know maybe this is you feel free to just say uh there's nothing others can do but if there's someone listening um kind of inspired to help out in some way what would you recommend that they do mm -hmm. i feel like all of us have such a unique skill set mm -hmm. And so I would just like try to dig into what what your talent is, like what your talent and skill is, mm -hmm. and just see if that can translate into like an act of service or even if you're like well off, like financially stable during this time when most people aren't, maybe like making sure to get like takeout and delivery from your local restaurant, like mm -hmm. as simple as that, because everyone needs food, everyone needs meals around three times a day. So doing that, like focusing on the small, like mom and pop businesses and for the healthcare providers, like you said, like meals, I saw like a meme or not a meme, like something on Reddit that was like, oh, we just got like a hustle, just got like a Keurig with like a hundred pods. Like they were so excited, you know, something like, like a generous donation like that. Mm -hmm. I think the gesture carries far over than what the actual thing is yeah and i i want to give a shout out to my wife because um, one thing that she did that really convicted me was so my wife she had a pop-up shop coming up a, a pretty big one because um, she did really well there last year it was coming up next month or so and it yeah. got canceled obviously um, yeah. and we've been seeing a lot of bubble tea places creating like make your own uh, make at home bubble tea kits and selling it to their customers. 
And I actually said to her, hey, why don't you do that? Um, you missed out on this uh, event. So why don't you do that and, and try to get some revenue? And she looked at me right. like, hey, you know, we're not, we're doing fine financially. Like we don't, I don't yeah. need to do any of this. And me doing this might take away sales from other mom and pop bubble tea shops that mm -hmm. are struggling and trying to, you know, keep their head above water. So she said, I would rather yeah. not flood the market when we don't need it. And, you know, mm -hmm. let those people try to, you know, do whatever they can. So I was like, yeah, it's like a very indirect way, but also very impactful. Um, I was very like, wow. That really is really generous. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. So even the things like that, I think uh, we, we're all in this together. Um, so we, we can try to help out in, in those ways. For sure. Yeah. Um, and speaking of that, I, I'm going to ask you a question. It's, it's actually a really selfish question because it's something <laughs> that I want to know. Um, as yeah. a husband to a entrepreneur, yeah. <laughs> um, in what ways? Because I, I feel like Kit is such a caring guy. He's such a sweet guy. And um, just in the interactions I have with him, I know like it's in his top priorities to support you and you know right. um, help you like grow as much as possible. Well, what are some of the are there things um, that he does that really encourages you as an entrepreneur that I could possibly steal and do for my <laughs> wife as well? I mean, honestly, I feel like behind every good entrepreneur, there's like a really good partner involved, like whether they're on the scenes or behind the scenes, just emotionally supporting them. And like Kit is both, honestly, because he for these pop up markets, like he'll it's crazy. Like I most of them are in Denver. And so like he has a Subaru, which fits most of my display stuff. And like I have a Civic. So he'll like come down to Denver, help me set up my whole booth drive back to Fort Collins and then come back to Denver to help me break down. Wow. So that's like, and it's an hour away. So he like literally show me support with his time and like his labor, mm -hmm. but he's really good at affirming me with his words and um, just encouraging me. Like, cause I, I get really nervous be before every single market. Like it doesn't matter if I've done that market dozens of times and like I've done well, like I'll still get the jitters every single time. Like, what if they don't like this collection? What if they don't like this product? And he'll just be really encouraging, like, just affirm me and say, like, you'll do great. Like, yeah, you're going to kill it. And usually he'll, like, post something on Instagram about me, <laughs> which is, like, really sweet. Um, but, yeah, I think it's all about the little things, just, like, words. Mm. It's, it's the words that really carry me through. Gotcha. That's, that's really good to know. Cause I do help with the physical stuff of, yeah. cause my wife has a really big bubble tea cart. So we had to like haul it around. Okay. Uh, but I think I could work on the words part, just the affirmation part. That's good. I like, that. like you can do it like on a post-it, you know, just like you got this, like really simple, like mm -hmm. super simple. I think that could go such a long way. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping people who are, uh, you don't even have to be married to an entrepreneur, but if you have a friend right. who's um, an entrepreneur, I, 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 the little things go a long way, evidently, um, looking at Allison, because she, I, I feel like she's too humble to admit it, but I feel like she did create a very big brand. Um, so I think it's um, from her success, we can learn things. Um, so th thank you for that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start applying that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, and lastly, uh, I actually wanted to, because we got 
kind of kids take on it last week but i know that when you guys because you, you mentioned how fort collins it's less than two percent asians and mm -hmm. right now hate crimes against asian americans is at an all-time high um right. i saw some really atrocious things happening mm -hmm. um like here actually here in uh uh john's creek uh, web bridge there's a post office someone pulled a gun on a little girl and a grandma because they were wearing masks wow. and he said oh they're gonna give me corona um so yeah i mean were thankfully yeah uh, i think they were korean um and wow. th thankfully no one got hurt uh, and the guy got arrested but i mean things like that are happening but you guys kind of had a run-in a, a, a situation it wasn't as dangerous but uh, mm -hmm. you kind of felt uneasy right can, can you kind of describe what happened when you guys uh went back to uh fort collins uh went to a was it a grocery store where you kind of yeah i think much? i think that's what he was referring to i know he like mentioned the rest area where that guy was kind of like oh that's right between the bath it's funny because he didn't tell me about it and i literally didn't notice at all like he told me like a week later mm. and i was like oh my god i didn't know that happened i was so oblivious because i was mm. playing with bruno mm -hmm. um and then the whole grocery store incident, honestly, I didn't really feel it as much as Kit. Mm. Um, and I really don't know if that's just me being naive and like, cause I feel like I'm very aware of my surroundings and like I can pick up on energy and like different kind of like feelings from people. But I think I was just so focused on like, okay, let's just get everything on the list and like get out of here fast. And I know people were like keeping their distance, but I felt like that was because everyone was keeping their distance. Like everyone's doing that six foot radius at the time. And so I honestly didn't experience it as much as Kit. So mm. I don't know if I can respond to that question. Okay, okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So, that, yeah. so um, but I, I do think uh, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, I would really encourage you to go back to the episode with Kit to kind of get his take on it. Because I think it is important to um, at least be aware that it's happening um and to be vocal about it as asian americans to say hey we're not okay with this um right and yeah and i don't know if you have any any listeners in new york but i know they have a hotline for hate crimes that are happening against asian americans i feel like every single state and city should have a hotline right now mm -hmm. um but yeah just a resource wow awesome mm -hmm. Um, before we close out, is there anything else that you, anything you wanted to talk about that I, I missed? Hmm. Not at the top of my head, no. <laughs> well, um, I, I just really wanted to thank you for being on. Um, I know you're really busy with, you know, everything that you're doing with, with the masks that you're making. Um, and I, Kit actually did say, yeah, she's actually pretty shy uh, about, <laughs> about this stuff. So, um, I, I know yeah, I don't you, talk to very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So thank you so much for uh, yeah, taking that leap and uh, uh, being being a guest on this podcast. Because yeah, having heard your story, it's so awesome that you literally started with nothing, um, and mm -hmm. you don't even really remember the the negative aspects of it much because you love what you're doing so much. So um, I think it really is a testament to what you can build when you pursue something that you love uh, wholeheartedly um, without ceasing, which, and thank you so much for modeling that for us um, because I think, um, yeah, we, we, anyone out there who is, you know, 
thinking about doing something, um, I think they can really listen to your story and with that same kind of attitude, uh, pursue it. And yeah, it's good. It's especially uh, good because we don't have that many stories. Um, we don't have this modeled by a lot of Asian Americans, especially second gen. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of like, I didn't touch on that, but that is one of the reasons why I want to succeed like and become a big brand so that other people can see like especially if they're in high school or college that it doesn't have to be like the medical track or like the law track if they're not passionate about it that there are other creative ways to make a living yeah exactly yeah. Um, so great but you know that's actually <laughs> one of the core i want to say unofficial core values of this podcast is um don't do things just because you think you're meant to or you feel like you need to mm -hmm. pursue things that give you joy pursue things that are exactly. that you're passionate about so wow thank you so much exactly um i know ultimately it's so simple so yeah i think that's great advice yeah um so your uh heritage and bloom instagram yep. name is just heritage and bloom right exactly yep yeah please follow that because she does have uh this basically a, a collection of all her products so follow her there. If someone, after having seen your Instagram says, Ooh, I really like this piece. Um, how can they purchase uh -huh. this? Um, so my website is also just www.heritageandbloom.com. Okay. And, and so you'll be able to find everything there. Gotcha. Perfect. So guys, please, please give her a follow. Um, please, uh, even if you're not into accessories and stuff, <laughs> I would recommend you follow her just because just to witness her journey. Um, Cause that's what I've been really enjoying um, from, you know, when you, yeah, I did the relaunch into Heritage and Bloom. Um, and yeah, yeah. it's just really encouraging to see. So um, once again, thank you so much for being on. Um, thank thank you. you guys for listening. If you have any questions or anything uh, for me or even for Allison, please email me at ihthdpodcast at gmail.com. That's, I hope to hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com or comment on Instagram at how I hope they hear this or on Twitter at IHTHT podcast. Um, and yeah, anything directed toward Allison, I'll make sure she receives. Um, and I'm sure you wouldn't mind people contacting you through your oh, Instagram. Right? No, I love it. Yeah. 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 So uh, another reason to follow her on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So uh, guys, thank you so much for listening again, Allison. Thank you so much for, for talking with us and uh, yeah, we'll talk thank to you guys next you. week. Bye. Bye.